right, I'm really, really excited to jump into this. So we kind of want to talk about story. And Gabe, maybe start with a bit of your story, how this came to be, and you know, then we'll get into the broader idea of story. Yeah, so I'll I'll give you a quick recap of of my life um, that took me to uh, a real inflection point in in my journey in 2015. So, uh, grew up in in a Christian home. Uh, came to know the Lord personally when I was uh, 14 years old. Ended up going to West Point. Went into the military. I was an infantry officer for about eight years. Um, went to combat in Iraq in 2003 2004. Um, been married at this point for for 24 years so janet and i started dating when i was at the academy and uh so she was with me throughout that uh the whole the whole journey of of the army and combat and all those things and we took a like a big vocational turn um by leaving the army went to seminary and then ended up going uh, as missionaries to south africa and we had this dream to start at a basically a disciple-making community in the Cape Town area. And so uh, our daughter, Madeline, was five at the time. We, uh, I think I was 33. Um, I remember my, when I turned 33, my brother was like, you know, Jesus was finishing his ministry. What have you done? <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, but, you know, right, right in the middle of life, I think, you know, when you're in the middle of life, especially in your 30s, that's the season where, you know, you want to make your mark in the world. You want to make your life count. You, you've, you know, you're, you've gotten your education and you've had some experiences and now you're like, man, I'm ready to, I'm ready to go do something. Mm -hmm. And I remember being at that point. And so we set out, off on this big adventure. Uh, Madeline was five. I'm, you know, right, right in the mid 30s. And so we get to Cape Town and we build this, this community and it was beautiful, but really like it came from this deep desire that like, I, I wanted to know how to be a disciple. And then I, I like really wanted other people to be able to experience that too. And if I'm looking back, you know, cause we understand life as we look backwards, uh -huh. right? Um, looking back, I think I, I see that, I think I experienced a lot of disappointment just up until that point in my journey in the church and, and, you know, I wasn't experiencing relationships the way at the depth that I wanted to. And yeah. so we built this, this Christian community in, in Cape town with the, with a deep desire to figure out like how to follow Jesus in a radical way. Was that like a desire that was there? Speaking of looking back, mm -hmm. like all growing up and, or did it, did it kind of hit you at some point in that early thirties stage? Yeah, so interesting. It hit me when I was in seminary. So I went, for those listening, don't know what seminary is. It's, it's a master's program for people who want to be pastors. So you're basically, you know, you're studying theology, which is the like study of the knowledge of, of God. And it's a long program. It took me uh, over five years to, to complete. And so, you know, you're deep in uh, the Hebrew scriptures, you're, you're deep in the New Testament scriptures. And, you know, I had to learn like the original languages of <laughs> Hebrew and Greek. And I mean, it was really intense, like level of studying the Bible. And I remember getting to my last year and I'm, I'm getting ready to be, you know, a professional Christian. And I know all these things and I can read texts in different languages and I can teach and I can preach and all this stuff. And I remember we were, I was in a class, we were reading um, the gospel of Matthew in the original Greek and we get to Matthew 28, which is, I, I like to call it the, the final command, you know, from the King. It's like right when Jesus is getting ready to ascend into heaven and he like gives this final command um, to his disciples. And he says, you know, go, 
go and make disciples and teach them everything I've taught you. And I remember reading that because one of the things when you're reading something in a different language, it slows you down. Hmm. And I remember it slowing me down. Yeah. Well, yeah, it does. Like I had a professor that like he would, uh, he was my Hebrew professor and he would, he would do his morning devotions in Hebrew. And I thought like, why does he do that? And he told, that's what he told me. He's like, it slows me down. I never thought of that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so anyway, I was really slowed down in, in those verses in, in Matthew 28. And, and what hit me was, man, I'm, I'm super well educated. I'm about to be a professional Christian as a pastor. I have no idea what it means to disciple someone. Like this seems like maybe the most important text in the entire Bible. Cause this is like the last thing that Jesus tells us that our lives ought to be about. And I'm reading it and going, how, how do I do that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it was kind of terrifying. Yeah. So it's more than what you know. More than what you know. <laughs> yeah. For sure. And what we'll get into in this series is a lot of, I think, for me, a misunderstanding of that command mm-hmm. for many years. And so it actually felt really burdensome. And I think what this experience gave for me is, no, that that command is actually really freeing and really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm excited to get into that too, but anyway, continue on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is a, I, I, I should never start a story. This is going to be the short version. Um, yeah, but Ron, to your point, I mean, that, that's, that's right. I think so much, you know, growing up in the church, I think if I did have a concept of what it meant to follow Jesus, it was, you know, learning things. It was, it was memorizing the Bible. It was understanding theology. It was having the right answers. Um, it was be able to engage people who, you know, weren't Christians with their questions and things like that. Um, but it seemed like that those verses are, are really inviting us into something different than that, uh, some other kind of journey. And, and so I really, that's where I became curious about, like, what does it mean to make a disciple. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? Mm-hmm. And that was really the quest, right? That we set mm-hmm. off going to South Africa to, 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 to figure out. Um, so we did it and we were, we were in that, uh, we arrived in, in 2012. And so we did that for several years. Uh, and it was, you know, I think in every way that you can measure ministry, it was a successful enterprise. Uh, it was a growing ministry. I think people were learning how to, how to follow the Lord and we reached a point where I decided, you know, we don't want to create our own content to teach people. I just want to find, you know, great, great content and invite people into it. And so I started exploring, um, you know, who's doing great work in, in the realm of like discipleship, but really like under understanding that as a journey that you go on. And, um, you know, I always kind of had the framework of head, heart, hands, just when it comes to developing people, that those are the three main realms we can, like you alluded to, you know, you can, you can develop someone in their knowledge, in their head, you can yeah. develop people in their hands, like they're, you know, the, the, the practical work that, that you do. But then there's this heart piece is like, how do you help somebody grow uh, at the level of their heart, of their soul? the core of their being. And that's the part that really tripped me up. And so we, uh, through a series of relational connections found, um, two guys that were doing, um, the work of helping people become disciples of Jesus at the heart level 
through the lens of story. And so we invited them to come and do a, uh, it was a week long retreat with our, with our community in, in South Africa. And that's the place that this whole journey really began. That's really cool. I, even though I know you pretty well, there's parts of that story that I didn't know. And it's, it's neat to see how, like how it connected together. Yeah. And well, and I can continue that story a little bit, Steve. Um, you know, it, it so we do this retreat and, uh, everybody engages it really well. People are like learning in a new way. This, this idea that we can understand that God has a story that we have stories that we can talk about those with each other. And it was really fantastic. And we get to the end of this retreat and these two guys that were leading it said, Hey, we, we want to take you for coffee. And they were getting ready to go to the airport. So I was like, it's great. Well, on the way to the airport, we'll go. And so we have coffee and I thought we were just going to, talk about how great my ministry was <laughs> and how awesome things went at this retreat. And, um, but what they said was actually like really shocked me. They said, Hey, we see that like you're leading a significant ministry and you're very gifted and smart. And, um, but we also see that like, there's something in you that's preventing you from really engaging your own, your own story. And what they, this is language I learned later, but what, what they saw was that I was, I was posing mm. in my life. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I knew the right things to say. I knew how to like build organizations. I knew how to lead people. Uh, I was knowledgeable so I could teach things. But when it came to me being vulnerable, me sharing my story, yeah. what they saw was, I couldn't do it. There was something blocking that, um, that work from happening. And so what they said was, they said, Hey, like we have an offer for you. They said, we want to come back in in three weeks time. And they were from the United States and this is Cape town, South Africa, which is like a 16 hour flight from Atlanta to Johannesburg, one uh -huh. of the longest flights in the world. They said in three weeks time, we want to come back at our own expense and we want to spend a week with just you. And we want to help you like begin to get at, what is your story? Huh? Mm. Is this like a type of work they had been doing for a long time or how did mm -hmm. it seems like to me having grown up in the church, but in a certain flavor of it, I'm like, where did these people come from? Like I came into contact with it originally through Dallas Willard. If you know yep. who that is. Oh yeah. And I was like, where were these people all my life? Mm -hmm. Like to me, it's this weird, it almost seemed like some side thread of Christianity. And now I'm like, Oh no, I think this is kind of, just people tapped into some of the main core stuff, but were they, were they also doing that kind of story lens? Yeah. Yeah. They were, um, they both had ministry backgrounds. They had both led, uh, you know, ministry overseas in different, different contexts huh. and had them themselves kind of hit a wall, you know, um, where they had, you know, you have to have a crisis moment. I think most of the time you have yeah. to have a crisis moment, before you change. Yeah. Right. Life's all about pain management. You know, if things are going really well, like you're not going to change because change is difficult. But like when you hit a wall and life isn't working out and your strategies aren't working out and something's massively going wrong, like that, that's when, you know, you change. And, and both of these guys had had a, a really big experience, um, you know, in ministry and life, a uh, painful moment hmm. that led them into this work of exploring like, you know, this really central question is who am I? 
um, what's my what's my real identity? Yeah. So I'm curious because um, a lot of these guys listening will have just been invited into this process, this journey, Iron Collective, um, in the group format. But do you remember at all when you got invited into that by these two guys for a week? Yeah. Like as you sat with that question for three weeks and that invitation, what was what was going through your mind? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question, Ron. Um, I like literally had no idea what to expect and what I remember like being equal parts like curious and terrified. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Because they said literally, I was like, what do I need to do to prepare? Because, you know, in my the way I'm built, like, I, what can I do? Like, <laughs> yeah. what, how can I like arm myself? How yeah. can I defend off the intervention that's going to yeah. happen? Right. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. That's why we're here. What books do I need to read? Yeah. How can I be really successful yeah. in yep. whatever it is we're going to do and show up in a way that's impressive? Yep. You know? And so, but I was curious because they didn't tell me much. They, they literally, they wouldn't answer any of my questions. I, I remember I kept emailing, like, what can I do? What can I read? What can I, and they would just write back and say, did you rent the Airbnb? <laughs> you know, so I ran a really good Airbnb and like block your calendar, you know, and they're like, literally that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I was, I was, I was nervous and not knowing. And I remember I rented this place, uh, in our favorite little seaside village in South Africa. And we get to this house. It was winter time. We built a massive fire and, we're sitting there, we get the chairs all lined up and there's this moment where it's like, okay, this is it. And I'm wondering, like, I don't even know what they're going to do. Like, what do you, what's going to happen? And they were literally like, all right, Gabe, tell us your story. <laughs> and we had five days in front of us. And I remember my first line was, well, I was raised in a good Christian home. <laughs> there you go. And I remember the one guy, Gary, who ended up being like one of the most, you know, significant figures, mentors um, in that period of my life. He 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 was leaned over and he said, "I'm sorry, I have to I have to stop you right there." Uh, he said, um, and and I'm not gonna he he cursed. So yeah. not, I don't want to say that on the podcast, <laughs> but he said, uh, that's rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and he said, and, and basically it was like, he, he took me through a line of questioning. He was like, you know, well, you're, were your parents humans? I was like, well, yeah. And he said, like, do you believe that humans are inherently sinful? I was like, yes. He said, well, how long did you live with, with your parents? I was like <laughs> 17 years. He said, so in 17 years, your parents who were sinful never sinned against you. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh man, I've never thought about that. Yeah. And then what it began to uncover, and I won't go on into all of it now, but I didn't think I had a story to tell really. Um, especially not from my childhood. Certainly I just had this, I thought benign childhood and, what I began to uncover in that week was that, you know, and we'll get into this later in the podcast, but that evil had been pursuing me um, since the day I was born. And, you know, that there was things that, that happened and I learned a way of showing up and being in the world um, that caused me to be disconnected from my true self, disconnected from, from people and disconnected from God himself and that though I was a Christian, though I was well-versed in the scriptures, that I was a pastor serving in a significant ministry, is that I really did not know who I really was. And I couldn't really tell you the true story um, that had happened to me. Yeah. Wow. 
Well, that's probably a good place to maybe let's talk about the idea of story and like what, what is story and introducing that at a, at a deeper level. Yeah. Yeah. So story, I'll, I'll give a caveat up front that I was an, I was an English major. Um, you know, I went to West point, I was terrible at math. And so I picked the major where you didn't have to do math. Um, <laughs> so, so I was an English major. Um, I was actually art philosophy and literature major to be exact. And so I love, so I've always loved sort of the, the idea, the lens of, of story. Uh, I love reading stories, I love writing stories, you know, and, and I think story is like this very like nuanced way of telling truth. Cause that's what art is, right? Art is telling truth with a, a slant because because the real truth of things is brutal most of the time mm -hmm. especially when it comes to people so story is this artistic way of describing people and relationships um, and all the, the the many nuances that are involved in understanding identity and understanding like relational connection and so you know it's 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 no wonder then that God chooses to reveal himself through story. And by the way, that wasn't something that I figured out um, quickly either. You know, I, I went all the way through seminary and, and didn't understand that the Bible is one cohesive story beginning mm -hmm. to end Genesis to revelation. It's one story. And the story is telling us who God is. It's his story. Right. And because he created everything, it's also the true story of the world. And it's the only story that's big enough to tell us who we are too. And, and so God has a bigger story, but then each of us has a smaller story that yeah. we've lived. Um, and, you know, we're a character in our own story. And I think what I heard you say earlier is we often miss both of those stories, mm. right? Like we often miss our own story. Yeah. We don't think we have one or we don't think it's worth worth telling yeah but we also miss god's story because sometimes we're so wrapped up in our own our oh, own man. world and that we miss what god's doing outside of us and outside of you know our own little spheres of influence no that's exactly it that's exactly right um yeah we get we get like micro focused in on like our story is the story mm -hmm. and forget this bigger or, or maybe we don't even know like maybe right. we've never heard there's a bigger there's a bigger context because it's a sad thing really if if my story is all there is boy the world's a pretty small place mm -hmm. right yeah yeah in in our iron, iron collective group gabe one time you said this i kind of wrote it down because the quote really stuck with me but uh you said understanding who god is and his story is really important because our view of who god is allows us to correctly interpret everything else mm-hmm mm -hmm. No, that's exactly right. Yeah, who who do you think God is? Like what what is his character? You know, and and it's one thing to say, well, God's loving. It's a different thing to tell a story about what that looks like. And that's that's I mean, that's the beauty of the scriptures is that it's not just like God is love, that's it. There's your mm -hmm. maxim for life. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's true but not powerful. But, you know, when you read the story of you know, God putting flesh on and entering into our world and, you know, sitting at the tomb of his friend and weeping. You're like, man, the heart of God is, 
so compassionate and so kind and and you see that in in this real story with real people mm-hmm. um and so then that that informs who we are too mm-hmm. it's like this may sound silly to some people but I know from my kind of faith background, which is similar to a lot of people in America right now, kind of thinking about trying to step back and think about all this. It's it's almost like you hear the story idea and you're like, oh, that's a cute side thing. Like the main thing is the gospel Mm -hmm. and the gospel and even like that word. I think we need to dive into what that means. But it's like the main thing is the gospel. And then like story is a cool, cute side thing. But what I hear from you over and over and what I've come to see is that it's actually the main the main thing Mm -hmm. and i don't know your thoughts on that because to me that was actually an important um understanding of story as well yeah yeah i mean i think like this i mean we could go way back in history right like this is but our our whole western world is is profoundly shaped by you know the enlightenment by rationalism um you know by this by by really the notion that like we we you are what you think um you know Descartes I think therefore I am right mm-hmm. um and so uh but that's not that's not the complete truth and I think we 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 sense that we sense that we have to be more than ideas um but most people I don't think have like a framework for understanding more than that and I just I think stories is the way that God gives us to understand ourselves, to understand himself and understand other people. You know, there's someone once said, people are not problems to be solved, but holy mysteries to be uncovered. Mm -hmm. And people are so complicated. And if you've been around people in any like form of, of depth of relationship, you know that, right? Like I've been married 24 years. And I think Janet, my wife would say, I'm very much a mystery <laughs> to her, you uh-huh. know, still figuring me out. And and same is true for her. Well, yeah. and we're going to get more into that later, I think, you know, the mystery of people. But I'll just say, as a guy, I mean, my first step is typically I got to solve a problem, yeah. you know, and whether it's work-related or people-related, like that's always my first thing is yes. I got to fix this right. um, instead of really – working to peel back the layers and understand more of their story and who that person is. That's right. Yeah. Which bleeds into our faith. Right. And so many guys express this or realize this, that they're approaching Jesus in the same way. It's like, well, this is like a checklist of things I got to solve things I got to (laughs) do versus a relationship is actually about relating. And I think this idea of, of story, helps get us there of relating with God in the day to day, not just making Christianity a checklist. That's also part of our job. We got to get done. Yeah, absolutely. And and that really takes us to like, what is the iron collective, you know, and it was really born out of, you know, this, this of my story, you know, that I, I had this story of, um, encountering these friends who invited me on a journey to understand who I really was and gave me this framework of like, wait a second, you have a story, man. You've have things have happened to you that deeply profoundly have shaped you. And I couldn't name any of them or talk about them or have language to, to talk about that. And they, they started to give me that language, but what that led to that, that work started in 2015 and by 2016, um, I reached a crisis point in my life because, you know, what, what happened was 
all of the brokenness of my life that I had and, and we're wired different ways and we manage pain in different ways. But, you know, my way of managing the pain in my life was uh, to shove it down, shove it down, shove it down, ignore it, you know, because I, I really learned that um, in my childhood. And then I learned that even more in the army. <laughs> and, you know, this idea that, you know, men suck it up and drive on. Yeah. If I had a, a tagline for life up to that point, sure. and that's how I had lived. And so I had all this pain of things that happened to me in my life in childhood and in combat and loss that I had experienced. And I had never, never talked about it, never acknowledged it or how it had, it had shaped me until that point. And so um, I reached a point of crisis, actually, and realized that the work that I needed to do to understand what had happened to me. And to really understand, some one of you mentioned the gospel, which is just means good news. And it's like, what is the good news? Is the good news that, um, like, we need to memorize Bible verses, or you know, <laughs> uh, great, what news. Is, wow. great news? Great cool. news. You need to go to church a lot. Do more know? work. Yeah. Um, no, the 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 good news is that like, God came for you and um, made a way for you to be restored. At every level of your brokenness, he made a way for you to be restored. Um, and, you know, to experience that restoration, though, you have to you have to be able to name the brokenness. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think I had up until the, that point just named the, oh, I'm God loves me and his yeah. grace is enough. And because that's often all it's presented as. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm a Christian, and so I'm good, right? Like, one time I was a bad human, and then I met Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that is, yeah. Right. There's the yeah. storyline, right? There's yeah. the story, <laughs> which, by the way, like, this has become um, something, like, a tagline for me lately in life and leadership is that, like, we have to reject simple stories. Yeah, yeah. And because I think we love simple stories. I know I do. You know? Well, there's part of, yeah, part of the pressure. Uh, well, I was bad. Now I'm good. So I got to keep looking good. Or else yes. that story is is false. So we, now we put pressure on ourselves to be good. It's like now we're missing the whole idea of having an actual relationship with God. That's right. So, you know, I heard some of this stuff early on. I'm like, well, yeah, that's cool. Like, that's what you do in counseling. That's like cool therapy stuff to like visit your past and work through those, you know, how you were wounded and stuff. Cool. Awesome. But no, that's actually part of the core tenet Jesus laid out of how you can get into a relationship with God and be healed and be like with him yes. every day, not just like one time. Yes. And so it really is a core thing to the gospel. It is because to, to understand, um, you know, our healing, we have to understand our woundedness first. Right. I mean, it's just like any physical wound. You, you have to like see, look at your physical wound and pay attention to it and go, man, that is, I have a giant gash in my arm, you know, to, to, before I stitch it up and it's the same way with our, our souls. Um, so I, so I hit this wall, you know, and in, in 2017 ended up, um, making a decision or we made a decision of, as a family to come back from our ministry in, in South Africa. And there's a lot of complexity of course, in that story, but a huge part of it was, you know, I had begun this journey of, of doing this work of understanding my own story. And, and Jana had begun that work too. And we realized that the context that we were in leading a stressful ministry in a different country, like we weren't going to be able to do that work in a meaningful way in that space. And so we, we came back to the United States. Fast forward 
kept doing that work, working, by the way, you can't do this sort of work alone. And that's what we're getting (laughs) Mm -hmm. into. Uh You have to journey with others. Mm. This isn't like a, it's me and Jesus and a cup of coffee kind of work. This is, I need people to be with me and you know, you need a guide, but you need others to walk with you in this. Um, and so I had that, uh, and, and so really from 2017 to 2020, continued that journey of, of healing, of understanding myself, of understanding really for the first time God's grace and love for me and beginning to experience freedom in my life for the first time. And then COVID hit and the world shut down. I don't know what that was like for, for you guys, but as an <laughs> extrovert, it was like super painful. Yeah. And I was like, man, how am I going to manage? How am I going to continue this journey? And so... Um, I actually invited you guys to, to be in a group. We lived in, uh, at that time, three different cities and it was a couple other guys that mm-hmm. we invited as well. And we started the first iron collective group. And really that was born out of my desire to continue to journey with others in a meaningful way. And, um, and you guys were. Yeah. We're a big part of that journey from we were the vi- We were the victims, let's be honest. Yes. That's right. It was, I remember yeah. our first conversation. I was, I think I was talking to you, Gabe, one time. I was like, yeah, I just really been craving like a group of guys, like, you know, describing a certain thing. And you were like, well, I've got a, I've got a product offer for you. <laughs> and <laughs> it's on collective. Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. And it's welcome. on Zoom. But I had no idea what I was getting into. Right. It was just like, yeah, you, you should show up to this thing and be cool. And then... <laughs> Well, and I think that, I mean, it's the power of the invitation, mm-hmm. right? And I think when you know someone who's inviting you into something and you trust that person as we did you, yep. you go, hey, I'm, I'm going to try it. I'm going to take a leap of faith here and see what it's about. Um, and I'll say for myself, I mean, I was hesitant on the inside of like, I don't, I don't know what, what this thing is. Mm-hmm. It's not a Bible study. It's not a group that I'm used to. I yep. mean, as a seminary grad too, it's not knowledge-based. So that's scary to step into because it's actually a lot harder, you know, when you begin to unpack your own story and look back and ask those questions. I mean, that can uncover a lot of past hurt that you would rather not revisit, you know. Ron, for you, what was um, when you said it was more difficult, you know, to enter into that that kind of group than just like studying or something like what made that difficult for you? Well, I mean, I think it's what you said, you know, it. I wanted to show up prepared. I wanted to be to have the right answers. I wanted to have my mask on, which we'll get to later. Um, you know, and I didn't know these other guys that I was going to be journeying with. I knew you, and that was it. Um, but I think it was that stepping into it and going, "Hey, I'm I'm going to engage this process," and um, and I know I need it too. By the way, um, you know, I needed community and didn't have it at the time, and so. Yeah, it was just, it was that, the fear of the unknown. Um, but I think, too, as we got into it, it it was more than what I ever thought it could be um, because I had experienced pieces of that community um, through campus ministries and other parts of my story of discipleship, but, um, but not in a long time. And so that was huge for me to go back to that place of really journeying together with other guys and and then doing the hard work of like, wow, what's what's God doing in my life? What has he done? What is he continuing to do? And where do I fit into his story? Yeah. Wow. That's cool. and that was beautiful to be a part of, of your yeah. journey in, in that way too. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Ron. I mean, I, I think if all the guys in that group were sitting here, we could all tell a similar story of how that was really impactful to us. It makes me so excited for anyone listening to this and the experience 
they're about to have or maybe are in the midst of. Yeah. Can you share a little bit, a little bit about just some of the tools that we use with Story? Uh, yeah. One in particular is Box Talk, which I think is fascinating because, yeah. you know, for these guys on on listening to this podcast, they're about to step into this process um, and may go, or they may be listening right now and go, I have no idea what my story is. Yeah. Um, I never thought about it. Um, I don't have a story or, you know, it's not, um, it's not big and exciting. Um, but yeah, what you shared with us was like, here's a, here's a tool to actually take some key moments, um, through box talk. Yeah. So it's just a form of storytelling because storytelling is, is a foreign, uh, discipline for, for most of us. And it's daunting, right? If I said, Hey, like, tell me your whole story, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, where do I start? How do I do that? And so I, I totally stole this from another ministry. I can't remember who. So if, if you're <laughs> listening to this and you made the box talk, like just know you did good work. Yeah. Um, and uh, the idea is this, that, that you, you go find three objects. Um, I'll, I'll give an example in a minute, but three objects that represent um, three parts of your story, of your journey through life. And then what you do is you literally put them in a shoebox. That's the idea. That's where the name comes from, though we might call it the Ziploc bag <laughs> Zip talk because I yeah. put mine in a gallon Ziploc bag. <laughs> um, but, you you know, you put it in a box or a bag and, and then you bring it to your meeting. And then each guy uh, takes turns um, telling telling their story through the box talk. And so you literally just it's easy because you pull out each object and you just tell the story mm -hmm. of like, here's, you know. So, for example, mine is, um, you know, I use a, a coin that my grandfather gave me i tell tell that story i have a piece of an artillery shell from the army that i i used to tell tell part of the story um and then I've, I've used different different things um you know you can use a picture of my time in in south africa or, or i've even used my wedding ring um as so you can use really there's there's no right answer it's mm -hmm. just three objects mm. yeah I, I mean i'll say i love that process as one who went through it you know, um, for the first time a couple of years ago and just yeah. going like, what are three objects that represent three kind of key moments in my story? And it was, it was hard, yeah. you know, it was hard to distill it down, but, um, but also super rewarding on the back end to, to take those things to the group and share a little bit of my story and tie them to my objects. So yeah. mine were a pocket knife, I had a, a Clemson um, lapel pen and then a writing pen um, as well. And it actually flowed really well. Yeah. And, you know, for those of you who are listening who are like, I, I don't know what mine would be. I mean, get the wheels turning now um, and ask your, your family, ask your spouse, because um, they'll have some ideas too. Yeah. And just recognizing there's different personalities in a group is important because some people will feel, I remember, um, Gabe, when you shared those three objects and shared your story with us, I was a little frozen because I'm kind of someone who can overthink or like I'm a big picture thinker. So I was like, oh my gosh, what are my objects going to be? I got to <laughs> nail this, you know, and it, it felt paralyzing in the moment because I didn't know what my objects were. I didn't know my story yet. And you encouraged us actually. I don't know, maybe it was me. So one of us said, said that we were unsure what we were going to pick. And you just encouraged us that yeah, it takes some time. Sometimes it takes some reps even or or just straight up time and discussion to start to discover your story. So don't feel like, well, I got to nail this and I got to know yeah. my mm -hmm. stuff right at the beginning. Yeah. And there's again, there's no right answer. Um, your story is complicated and and 
this is only a, a, a piece of it, you know? And by the way, this is a great exercise for like any group of people that you're trying to get to know. Mm-hmm. I've done this in, um, like business settings before church settings yeah. with my own family. Yeah. Like if you're just oh, looking for a tool, um, to help a group of people get to know each other, this is a great little exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, Gabe, maybe just wrap us up on, on the idea of story. Yeah. I would just say like, I'm, I'm just getting excited sitting here thinking about everybody listening that has the opportunity to really begin to engage their story. Uh, and really begin to engage God's story because that is the place where we find life. Um, so I'm thrilled for all of you listening that are going to begin that journey. Why is story so significant? You know, if you don't remember anything else, remember this, that story is always a sacred place. Uh, why is it sacred? Well, to, to be sacred is to be set apart uh, for a distinct, um, worthy, holy purpose and a story is sacred and set apart because it's the place where God has been at work. And it's acknowledging this is this is holy ground where God has been at work in a person's life. And when we engage in the work of helping someone else uncover the mystery of their story, what we're really helping them uncover is seeing maybe for the first time, this is where God showed up in your life, even when you didn't know it. And that's where we begin to come alive. And that's where we begin to understand um, who God really is, not at a theological level, but at a heart level of, man, this is how God has showed up for me and shaped me. And it's an invitation to begin to understand where he's still showing up in that, in that way. Um, and that's where we find life. And that's why this, this work of engaging story in a group like this is so incredibly important and powerful. 